welcome to the Essential Astrocast. I'm Veronica Peretti, astrologer, yoga teacher, and Real Housewives historian. Each week, I give you a peek into the heavens so you can harness the energy of the planets up there and dictate your fate down here on Earth. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Essential Astrocast. I'm Veronica. Happy to be back with you on this week with a new moon in Libra. So the new moon is arriving on Friday at 3.31 p.m. Eastern Time. And this new moon will be a little challenging because it is squaring the Capricorn cluster, what I'm calling the Capricorn cluster, which is Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. They've been hanging out most of the year together in the sign of Capricorn. So you've heard me talk about them ad nauseum. We'll get to the new moon a little bit later, but because before we get to it, I want to talk about what's happening right now as I'm recording. So as I'm recording, we are about to have Mercury retrograde in Scorpio. So when Mercury retrogrades, we generally experience a little bit of a slowdown. You know, our minds might move a little bit slower. So when Mercury retrogrades in the sign of Scorpio, we often find that we are unearthing a lot of our psychological stuff because Scorpio is a very psychologically inclined sign. Scorpio is the sign of the investigator looking for what lives underneath the surface. Scorpio people often make great therapists. So with this Mercury retrograde in Scorpio, you're going to be looking at some of the deeper levels of your psyche. Some stories might be coming up that call you to look at the deeper levels of your psyche. We had a Mercury retrograde in Scorpio last fall. So if you remember, or if you keep a journal, or if you're a diary keeper, look at what was going on last fall, because you had similar stuff coming up. So Mercury retrogrades in a certain element for most of the time for a cycle for a few years. So we're in this Mercury retrograde in water elements, signs for the, you know, past couple of years, we're going to, we're going to have it for another year. So it's not exact. It's not an exact science. So I don't want to get too much into that, but the Mercury retrogrades that we've been experiencing this year and last year are have a lot to do with our emotions, a lot to do with our psyche. Typically, when we talk about Mercury retrograde, we talk about how our um, flight was delayed or our phone stopped working or all you thought you sent an email, but it ended up stuck in your drafts folder. Those are typical Mercury retrograde things. But I would definitely equate those things more often with Mercury retrograde in air signs. Mercury retrograde in water signs, like it is in Scorpio, is going to bring up a lot of our relationship stuff, a lot about how we communicate in relationship, a lot about, um, you know, the messaging when we talk to someone, how they're receiving our message. We can't control how people understand what we say to them, right? If you've ever had a, a complete disagreement with a friend because you say something and they understood it in a completely different way than you meant it. And to me, that's a perfect example of Mercury retrograde in uh, the water signs. 
or also the air signs or any of the signs really. But this particular one, I think we're going to have a lot of digging up of our relationship stuff because it's not only going to be in Scorpio where we house a lot of our deep seated feelings and fears, um, and doubts about ourselves and others, but also it's going to backstroke into Libra. So I want, you might want to pull out a post-it for this. If you are a person that takes notes, I know some of you do. Mercury retrograde starts today on the 13th of October. It's actually opposite Uranus. So I think Uranus, remember, is the equal opportunity shitster, as I like to say, or in um, PG terms, change maker. So with Mercury opposite Uranus as it stations to move retrograde, we're going to have a lot of surprises. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that we don't see coming. Mercury is going to be in Scorpio retrograding through October 27th. Then he's going to keep moving backwards into Libra. He's going to be in Libra till November 10th. On November 3rd, he stations direct. So that means on election day, Mercury will station direct. We don't have a lot of information on what that means or what that looks like, except for the fact that it did happen in uh, the presidential election in 2000 when we had Bush versus Gore, Florida, 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 hanging chads, the recount, the whole thing. So it should be interesting, needless to say. Because Mercury is retrograde in Libra at that point, it will be illuminating the inequities in our society because Libra loves equality, fairness, and justice for all. So that's something that's going to definitely be coming up this election day. I would not be surprised if this is an election that is has a lot to do with voter suppression. We've been seeing voter suppression really um, getting worse and worse, frankly, since they overturned the Voting Rights Act in the Supreme Court. And so this is going to be a very interesting election for that. And we'll just have to watch and see how it plays out. And again, we don't have a lot of data on this. So it's not like I can tell you this is what happens when an election is held when Mercury stations. It's not something that happens that frequently. So all I can say is the best thing you can do is vote early and in person if you can. And if you don't feel safe doing that, get your mail-in ballot in like yesterday, because this is going to be, you know, I talked last week about how Mercury rules the post office, because remember, Mercury is the, the messenger god. So we have a very interesting election season here. We don't have that many days until election, the actual election. People are already voting. Everyone's going to be voting. Unless you voted already, if you're lucky enough to live in a state that already has had early voting open, the bulk of Americans are going to be voting with Mercury and Mars retrograde. We have both of these planets, which I call personal planets because they're very close to the Earth, retrograde right now. So it is, we all knew this was coming. We all knew, we all meaning astrologers, knew this is going to be a really tough election season. So the best thing you can do is take action. Don't wait on the astrology. You know that the astrology is challenging. You know that the astrology is 
slowing things down because retrogrades slow us down and force us to pause and reflect. Remember, retrogrades have everything to do with all of the re-words, R-E. Reflect, reveal, revisit, redo, reevaluate, whatever the re-word you can think of, it has to do with that. So it's all about revisiting. Excuse me. (coughs) It's all about revisiting. It's all about going back to look at something again when we have a Mercury retrograde. So now that you know that, you know, do what you can. Take the actions that you can take. If you can phone bank, if you can text bank, if you can just text five people on your phone that are in their 20s and make sure that they're registered and they know and they have a voting plan that is a huge thing that's something i've been doing i've just been reaching out to people who are younger because if younger people vote that will have a huge impact on the election so that is my citizen voting rants of the day and i will move back on to the astrology but i wanted to share that with you So I talked about the Mercury retrograde. You know what you're working with there. You know that this is something that we work with about three or four times a year. Don't be scared of it. Live your life. Remember that you dictate your own fate. This is not something to make you scared. It's just something to make you a little bit more conscientious, okay? It's interesting because we have Mars retrograde and we have Mercury retrograde. And personally, I feel like things are moving forward. So as weird as that is, because we had several planets, Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, which are all hanging out together, they all went direct recently. So I kind of feel like things are starting to move forward quite a bit. This will be an interesting retrograde to watch because we're going to have those two opposing things happen. You know, we have Mars still talking to those Capricorn planets. He's going to square Jupiter uh, next week. He squared Pluto last week and Saturn the week before. And we were talking the past few weeks about how Saturn um, and Mars were locked in that square for like five, six weeks. And we were all feeling that frustration, that heaviness. And that is finally separating. That is finally letting go of us. So personally, and again, you know, it all comes back to how it impacts your personal chart. Mars, this Mars retrograde is incredibly potent for my personal chart. So I was feeling that square really potently. So it might be that for me, I just feel so light and feel so able to move forward now that that square is letting up. But with that said, I do feel lighter. I do feel like things are moving forward and hopefully you do too. You feel like things are picking up. Retrogrades aren't meant to hold us back. They're meant to illuminate the things that we haven't seen before so that we can move forward with more knowledge so that we can go back and edit the stuff that needs to be edited so that we can go back and look at the thing that needs to be looked at. So I don't think these retrogrades are bad. I think they're going to clarify and illuminate a lot of things that we need to see. So that's the retrograde stuff. The other stuff that's going on this week is that we have the sun in three very challenging aspects this week. So I know a lot of you have questions about aspects. 
I posted on Instagram. If you're not following me there, come on over and find me. It's just at Veronica Peretti, my name. And a lot of you have asked, what are the aspects? What are, what are trines? What are squares? What does that mean? So today for the listener Q&A at the end of today's podcast, I'm going to dive into a few of the major aspects. So today, as I'm recording, the sun is opposite Mars. The sun has three challenging aspects this week, which means that the sun, which rules our ego, our identity, our ego might get a little bruised this week. Our ego might need a little bit of rest and repair by the end of this week. So sun opposite Mars can make us feel really assertive. It can put us in the mood to really take things over. We might want to, you know, just come out the gate strong, maybe steamroll people. But Mars is still retrograde, so that probably won't go over so well. So you can use this energy to drive you forward in whatever you are working on. I keep saying this, but whenever we have Mars transit, getting into your body and working out, doing something that gets your blood flowing is going to be really useful. So this is a day where it's really helpful to get your body moving, to move some of that aggressive, assertive, restless energy so that you don't get into a fight, so that you don't take it out on someone else, okay? On Thursday, we're going to have the Sun Square Pluto. Sun Square Pluto is challenging. Now, we had Mars Square Pluto last week, so you kind of remember how that felt, right? So this is going to feel similar, except the Sun is in Libra, Mars is in Aries, so it might not be so aggressive. It might not be so angry, but Sun Square Pluto can lead us to feel like we need to be in control. It can make us feel like we have to have control of the situation and we'll do anything to get it. This can lead to power struggles with your boss, with your subordinates. It can also, when you're frustrated because you don't have the control, it might lead you to say, well, screw this and become a little bit self-destructive. And I don't mean self-destructive in the scary way, but it more like I don't have control of the situation, so I'm just going to put my hands up and surrender and say, I don't care, even though you really do care, you know? So Sun Square Pluto can lead us to be a little bit, you know, just like last week, Mars Square Pluto, the petulant child who somebody else has the, is bigger and badder and has more control and you have to deal with that. So it's kind of a similar vibe. It's, you know, we have to weigh out who has control in the situation and then be strategic in how we handle it and how we handle ourselves. This Sun Square Pluto, another aspect of this particular transit, this particular aspect, is that you, it might illuminate your fears because Pluto rules our fears and our doubts. And just like Mercury and Scorpio is going to bring our attention to some of that emotional stuff, that muck underneath the surface, the sun square Pluto is going to illuminate that emotional muck underneath the surface. So pay attention to that. If you can work through this stuff this week, it's going to be exact on Thursday, but you'll feel it, you know, for most of the week. If you can work through this stuff 
um, conquering some of these issues that you have with authority, with power, with your fears, that's the stuff that leads to real, true inner power. That's the stuff that leads to you standing in your power, in your life. So here's the thing, and we'll talk about this more at the end. Squares are tough, but squares are the things that make us grow. The friction is what forces us to grow. So challenging aspects, hard aspects in astrology, they're not bad. They are just the necessary fuel for us to grow and change. On Friday, we have that new moon and the new moon on Friday is in Libra. Libra rules relationships. You know that it's always seeking peace and harmony and it wants things to be cool and everyone to get what they need and all of that nice peace, love, harmony stuff. Okay. But this new moon is in a cardinal T-square. That means that Libra, the new moon in Libra, the sun and the moon comes together. That's the new moon. And it's opposite Mars and Aries, which is retrograde. And they are both squaring the Capricorn cluster, Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, all in Capricorn. So pretty much all of the planets in the sky that are really, really forcing us to transform this year are involved in this T-square with the new moon. It's intense stuff. The new moon is also in the eighth house, which is a house of releasing, of letting go. So this is a new moon that's really going to encourage us to take a look at our relationships and what needs to go what's not working anymore. And I say this because it's in the eighth house. I say this because the T-square brings action. Now with T-squares, there's always a release point. And the release point of this T-square is in cancer, which means that if you're feeling a lot of tension this Friday or this week or this weekend, nurture yourself. Cancer is all about nurturing. The problem for cancer people is that they want to nurture everyone else and they forget to nurture themselves. New moons are the time of the month when the moon goes dark. And when the moon goes dark, we're supposed to go dark. We're supposed to turn inward. We're supposed to spend more time in meditation, more time with our journal, more time alone, more time taking care of ourselves. It's like a monthly moment of retreat. So this week, knowing that that new moon is going to be challenging, that it's going to be part of that T-square, but knowing that the release valve for that tension is cancer means that more than every other new moon, you have to turn inward. You have to find that personal retreat. You have to find that quiet. Really, really important this week. Even if you're highly extroverted, really, really important to do that every month with the new moon, but definitely this new moon. Now, this new moon answers to Venus in Virgo because Venus is the ruling planet of Libra. Venus is in Virgo, and that means that it is time to tidy up your relationships. So 
Virgo loves to tidy. And when I think of Virgo, I think efficiency, right? So if you are leaking your energy, if there's some relationship in your life, some friendship that makes you feel really drained energetically, check in with that. I know I I said last week how I don't love to talk about releasing these days because I feel like we've all released so much. There's been so much loss because of the pandemic. And there's so many things that used to be part of our life that are no longer part of our life. And so it feels, I don't know, it feels really horrible of me to say this is a time to release some stuff because like god haven't we released enough haven't we lost enough but truth be told this is the perfect time to release things because you're not used to having them right so if you've got a bunch of stiletto heels in your closet and you weren't really wearing them before the pandemic and now you're definitely not wearing them It's going to be hard to miss them, right? It's a good time to let them go. Same thing with your friendships. If there's someone in your life who's draining you, or if there's someone in your life that just doesn't share your values anymore, it's okay to let it go. You don't even have to tell them necessarily. If it's not someone that you're seeing and not someone that you're talking to, because the pandemic means that you're not seeing them in person and therefore not talking to them, perhaps it's okay to just for yourself, know that you're letting that go. You're not prioritizing that relationship. And it's the same thing with other parts of your life. I mentioned this at the full moon in Aries two weeks ago because I felt like that moon, that full moon had such a potent energy of releasing and tying up loose ends. And here we are at the tail end of this moon cycle and that full moon is still resonant as we move into this next lunation, this new moon. So it's really a good time to finish up that work. If there was stuff around the full moon in Aries that you were like, you know, that's not working for me anymore. This is a good time to let it go. I let go of the Luminary League, which many of you know is my group through Patreon. And it's opened up so much for me. Just letting that go two weeks ago at the full moon in Aries really opened up so much more. You know, I have more readings coming in, more people asking for readings. I have created some other cool things that I'm going to share with you guys in the coming months. And I just feel more creative. And so when we let go of something that just isn't quite working, even if we love it, it makes space for you to create something even better, you know? So as much as I was really sad about disappointing the women that come because I love them so much, I knew that the work we were doing, it just, it wasn't serving them and it wasn't serving me to offer something that was on the surface. I wanted to offer something more deep, more transformative. So with that said, who knows what will come in when you release whatever that thing is that's draining you. And you might be able to create something that's deeper, more transformative, more fulfilling. So with that said, there's a lot to release before the new moon gets here, even with the new moon in Libra. In fact, the new moon in Libra is really being 
it's really a challenge new moon because of that T-square. So if you want to wait until Sunday when the moon is in Scorpio to do your new moon ritual, I would recommend that. I will be leading a new moon ritual for the members of my online yoga club. So if you've been thinking about joining us on the Sunday nearest the new moon and the full moon, I do a restorative yoga practice with a meditation and journaling ritual, and I talk about the astrology of the new moon and the full moon. So if you've been wanting to follow the moon cycle and do something like that, I find this to be the most potent way to set your intention for the new moon and to release what you need to release at the full moon because it comes from an embodied place. Once you are you know, in your body, you're in the restorative practice, you sort of let the worries of the day melt away and you really go into that place where you allow your central nervous system to chill out. It's just, you're so much more present to the process of intention setting. So I highly recommend joining online yoga club. You can join me for yoga Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all the time, every week, but then also you'll get access to the new moon and full moon rituals. Um, so that's the new moon. The other thing about the new moon, I'm sorry, one more thing is that the rising of that new moon is Aquarius. So when I cast a chart for the new moon and I look at the rising sign of the chart, the rising sign is Aquarius and Aquarius is logical. It's pragmatic. It's rational. It's an air sign like Libra. It's an emotionally, reined in air sign though. So it's really setting us up and it's also futuristic. The the Aquarius is the most futuristic sign. So this new moon is setting us up for the future. This new moon is helping you release what's not working so that you have space to create something that will work better in the future. I really believe that It's a juicy and good new moon. It's just going to be a little challenging on the actual day of the new moon. So you might want to do that ritual on Sunday if you can with the moon in Scorpio. All right. So the last bit, and of course, Sunday has some challenging aspects as well. So back to the sun. The sun has three challenging aspects this week. The first was the opposition to Mars on Tuesday. The second was the square to Pluto on Thursday. And the third is the square to Saturn on Sunday. This can make you feel burdened by your responsibilities. You might feel like your patience is being tested, but this also gives you an incredible opportunity to work the muscles of determination and resiliency, okay? Sun square Saturn, not fun, not fun at all. If you feel overwhelmed by the burdens of your responsibilities, remember one small task at a time. You know, it. you don't have to do it all in one day or one week. One small task at a time. We talked about this, Mars square Saturn. We had that energy for five, six weeks, sun square Saturn is going to be like a piece of cake compared to that Mars square Saturn for six weeks. Okay. But what that Mars square Saturn taught us is one small step at a time, moving in a particular direction toward a particular result will get you where you're going and it will get you there faster than if you go all out really fast 
and you know this, you know this, you set the, you know, a crash diet's not going to get where you're going. Changing your lifestyle will get you where you're going. You know how those nutrition experts always say that, but it's really true. It's hard. Consistency and dedication is a lot harder than doing something really hard for a short time. So the other thing on Sunday is that the Venus in Virgo is going to be up opposite Neptune in Pisces. And that can make us a little gullible or a little naive, especially when it comes to love and or money. So just know that you might have the rose colored glasses on. It's helpful to know it. Then you can avoid the pitfalls and use the rose colored glasses, the fresh perspective to take a creative approach to some of the things that feel like they're burdening, you know, use the Venus opposite Neptune as something to help you with that sun square Saturn. How can you find the good in this? How can you find uh, the upside? How can you find a creative solution? Okay. So I hope that's helpful before I go. I want to just run through the moons for the week and then we'll take a break and we'll come back and I'll talk about aspects. Okay. So this week started with the moon in Leo. We had a long void on Monday and then the moon went into Virgo on Tuesday. So I'm recording this under the moon in Virgo, which always makes us want to work hard. It wants to make, it makes us crave structure, right? So we'll have the moon in Virgo on Wednesday until Wednesday evening on the East coast. Then we'll have a short void, not too long, a few hours, but we'll be sleeping for most of it. If you're on the East coast and then the moon goes into Libra. So the moon goes into Libra on Thursday at 1 54 AM Eastern time. We will be in the dark of the moon most of this week. Okay. But we're really in the dark of the moon on the 15th. On the 16th, we have the new moon at 3.31 p.m. So the 15th and the 16th leading up to that new moon, it's really a good time to chill out, to go inward, to take some time off, to really be quiet. Don't pack your schedule on the 15th and the 16th. The 16th, the new moon is going to be challenging because the new moon is going to square Jupiter, Pluto, Saturn, going to be tough. It's just going to be really a little cranky. It's going to be a cranky new moon. But then on Saturday at 1.05 AM, the moon goes into Scorpio. So Saturday, Sunday is going to be great for doing a new moon ritual. On Sunday, we have that sun square Saturn and the Venus opposite Neptune, but you can still do a new moon ritual, even with those energies. But if you want to be safe, you can do it Saturday. Of course, on Sunday, the moon will go void at 5.43 p.m., which means that the moon is going to be quiet until just after midnight on the East Coast. But again, we'll be chilling out, eating dinner, and sleeping for most of that. So that's the week. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back, and we'll talk about aspects. And we're back. So we're going to talk aspects today. Now, aspects are astrology language for the planets talking to one another and how they talk to one another. So we're going to cover the main four today, okay? We're going to try to keep this super simple. 
but I know a lot of you are interested in this, so I wanted to share it. So the one that is the simplest to consider is the conjunction. So the conjunction basically means that the planets meet up in the sky and they're at the same point, or maybe they're a few degrees apart, but they're very close together. One of my astrology teachers, she thinks about this. She has a really great analogy or metaphor for this. Imagine that you're sitting on the subway in New York. I live in New York, so I think of the subway. Um, You're sitting on the subway and someone is sitting on your lap. You are conjunct. You're right together. You can't ignore it. But if someone is sitting right next to you, you're going to feel them for sure. You know, pre-COVID, their arm is pressing up against yours. You might even feel their breath or their sweat. If they're one seat between you two, you'll probably notice they're there, but they're not infringing on your space. And then if they're three seats away, you barely notice them, right? So it's kind of the same idea. When the planets get uh, nestled up next to each other, you can imagine that one is sitting in the other's lap. And so they're working together. Their energy is conjunct. Their energy is completely merged and they are working together on something or towards something in your chart. And the new moon is an example of a conjunction because a new moon means that the moon and the sun are at the exact same spot in the sky at the exact same degree. So they are, you can imagine the moon sitting in the sun's lap. That is the new moon. Okay. So that's the conjunction. Now, the other positive or harmonious aspect that we often talk about is the trine. So the conjunction and the trine are generally considered positive, harmonious, flowing, cohesive aspects. So a trine means that the two planets are 120 degrees apart. So when you have a trine, the planets are generally in the same element. They're both in water or they're both in earth or fire or air. So they understand each other. They're speaking the same language. With trines, we kind of have to lean into them so that they can help us. Otherwise, you might not feel it. But if you're aware of it and you kind of lean into it, or if it's, or if one of those planets is touching one of your personal planets in your chart, you might feel it a little more acutely. The thing with trines is that we have to work them to kind of make them work. If you have a grand trine in your chart, which means you have three trines all together, you know, it's like having a blessing, but you've got to use the blessing. It's like having a God-given talent, but you've got to work the talent, you know? So sometimes the thing with trines is that we take it for granted, so we don't actually use it. So that's something to be aware of if you've got a grand trine or trines in your chart. But generally, when we talk about transits and we talk about you know, when each week when I come on and I talk about, you know, Venus is trining Mars or whatever, those you may feel them, especially if they're talking to some of the planets in your personal chart, in your birth chart. But otherwise, unless you lean into that energy, 
you won't really notice it. Now let's go to the hard aspects. So we call these hard aspects or challenging aspects. There's the square and the opposition. So the square basically means that the planets are 90 degrees apart. So that means that they are fighting with one another. So you can think of Capricorn and Aries. So they are 90 degrees apart. They're both cardinal signs. So in astrology, we have modes. And these modes are basically the ways that these signs show up in the world. And cardinal signs are leaders. So cardinal signs are Capricorn, Cancer, Aries, Libra. So when you have Mars in Capricorn and Saturn in sorry, when you have Mars in Aries and Saturn in Capricorn, just like we did last six weeks or so, you feel that friction. But the friction of those two planets fighting or aggravating one another is actually what pushes you forward. It's actually the thing that forces you to take action. So while squares are challenging and uncomfortable, they are the friction, they are the catalyst for change. And so because of that, they're kind of my favorite because if it weren't for squares, I wouldn't have all that much to talk about on the podcast every week. So squares are a blessing because they force us to grow. And if you have a lot of squares in your chart or you have a T-square or even a cardinal cross or grand cross, I'm sorry, not a cardinal cross, but a grand cross is when you have four planets squaring one another. So it looks like a big cross. If you have that in your chart, you're a person that's constantly looking to grow and up level. And you might be a little restless, you might be a little bit fidgety, but that's okay. It's part of your story this lifetime to continually evolve. So the squares force us to grow and evolve, and that is a good thing. Now, oppositions are also challenging, but not quite as challenging as squares. So an opposition means that the two planets are 180 degrees from one another, which means they're at exact opposite sides of the zodiac. So when the moon is opposite the sun, this is a full moon. So when the sun is opposite a planet, the moon, whatever, the sun is shining its light over across the zodiac to that planet. It's an interesting thing when the sun is opposite a planet because I think it really illuminates that planet. We actually have that this week with the sun opposite Mars. And I think that the power and the energy of that planet is really on display when the sun opposes it. But of course, planets oppose one another, not just the sun. You can have Mars opposite Venus or Mars opposite Neptune or Saturn opposite um, Uranus or whatever. All the planets will, all the planets have all of these aspects, okay? So when you have an opposition, it can be challenging because you're coming from two opposite sides of the spectrum. So if one planet is in Libra and one planet is in Aries that are in exact opposites, which means that they may not see things the same way because they're literally seeing something from two opposite sides, right? The thing about 
oppositions that make them easier than squares is that they can walk toward one another and find compromise. And if two planets are opposing one another, it means that they are in what we call sister signs. Sister signs are signs that oppose one another. Therefore, they are polar opposites, but then they also share some similar ways of doing things because it's kind of the nature of duality. When something is so different than you, it's kind of the same in a weird way, if that makes sense. And I wish I had a good metaphor for that, but... I guess the best metaphor for this is that I love the polarity of Leo and Aquarius. So they're sister signs. They're opposite one another. And Leo is the shining star. It loves to be on the stage. It loves to stand out. Aquarius rules communities and groups. It wants to feel like it belongs. But the funny thing is Aquarius really loves to be a rebel and to stand out. So as much as Aquarius rules the community and groups that we want to belong to, it also really wants to be the rebel. Leo wants to be the shining star on the stage, but really what does Leo want more than anything? It wants to fit in. It wants to be loved. It wants to be validated by its peers. So in this way, the signs that are polar opposite share a lot of things, even though they're very different and they may go about it very differently, they share some of the same core needs. And so that's the thing with oppositions. We have two planets that are exactly opposite one another. When they compromise, when they actually talk to one another, they find that they have a lot more in common than they once thought. So oppositions are easier than squares. So those are the aspects. I hope that's helpful. Feel free to message me and let me know. I look forward to chatting with you next week. Until then, come on over to Instagram, say hello. I post about astrology in my stories almost every day. And if you're not on my email list, head over to veronicaparetti.com, sign up for the real sign guide. You'll get my astrology guide and you'll learn your real housewife archetype. And if you want to book a reading, you can do it on my website too. Lots of ways to stay connected. And until next week, have a wonderful week. Give yourself time to take care of yourself. Allow yourself to go inward and really enjoy the stillness and the quiet of the new moon. Lots of love. Bye. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Oh, and if you liked the show, please take a moment to leave a review. It will help more people just like you use astrology to dictate their own fate.